Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. Uh, this week we are heading upriver to add a new classic to the likes of Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now, Werner Herzog's Aguirre the Wrath of God, and of course Steve Brill's Without a Paddle. Uh, our band of savages have been hit by the scurvy this week, so helping me steer the ship whilst I go native on this film is my trusted companion, Sam Howlett. Very happy to navigate this river with you, Jake. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you, mate. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, our, our band of crew uh, all suffered, uh, suffered madness on this trip and uh, had to be thrown overboard. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. Uh, so The Lost City of Zed is based on David Grant's book of the same name, and it charts the story of British explorer Percy Fawcett uh, and his search for an ancient lost city in Amazonia. So to begin, let's start with our regular podcast pitch. And now the the crew of people going upriver and generally getting a bit, a bit kooky, a bit crazy, a bit mad... <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's a staple of cinema. That comrade and heart of darkness story. That's a, that's a a tradition, really. And so I was wondering if I could ask you, Sam, to pitch me a film in which multiple crews of multiple films meet upriver, and the consequences of such a meeting. So uh, I'm going to start with a classic, which is Cape Fear. Yeah, the, oh, the Simpsons episode. Yeah, the Simpsons episode with Sideshow Bob. It's great, and he keeps walking on the rakes. Oh, and, that's uh, good. He's on the car, and they drive through the cactus field. No, uh, the original Cape Fear starring... Oh, the one with Robert De Niro. The original Cape Fear <laughs> starring Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum, in which Robert Mitchum's Max Cady pursues Gregory Peck's family, and eventually they go to the river Cape Fear. And they're on a boat cruising down the river while there's a maniac on board. And in a similar vein, on this river, Jake, did you know this? The, did you know the Cape Fear? If you go down it far enough, it eventually meets another river. I, I don't, I don't remember this happening in Cape Fear. It doesn't. That's they, they stop the film just before they actually get to this part of the river. Okay. So it eventually becomes the River Wild. <laughs> okay. The way that you're saying this, it sounds like this was already filmed. Like, it's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, and the River Wild, coincidentally is another film it's not I don't believe you I feel like that may, was maybe part of the question it's weird isn't it uh, starring Meryl Streep as a woman who her family is also pursued by a uh, armed thug a ma- maniac killer this time played by Kevin Bacon right so you've got two families being pursued by killers and eventually on this river, which we've already established, it are connected. And it's wild. And it's wild. And the wild fear. I'm worried. <laughs> Something bad's going to happen. So their boats eventually collide and hilarity ensues. 
So it's out and out comedy. I think at this point it has to be because at this point there's just a lot of coincidence, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you could have some hilarious mistaken identity in there. I uh, think Max Cady would definitely pretend to be the husband and father to trick Meryl. Yeah. But Meryl would see through that. Oh, and and he could tell Meryl that he's looking for his family. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. And she's like, oh, I know where they are. Let me. Yeah. If take you help you to me, them. I'll help you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you get the. Uh, you could get the. The Robert Mitchum Meryl Street battle we've all been hoping for and been talking about for years. Battle, battle, so, yeah, like, yeah this battle, is like yeah. X Men, yeah, <laughs> kind of thing. And Gregory Peck versus Kevin Bacon, I'm sure, would be a cool fight. Yeah, and you know, let's just bring in all the other Kate Fears as well. Yes, let's get Robert De Niro in there. Let's get uh, Nick Nolte and Jessica Lang in there. Let's get Sideshow Bob in there. Uh, just have a big battle royale. That could be really fun. And you could have like little shots where you have one, like one KD hanging onto the bottom of the car, and then you kind of just shift focus, and there's another car behind them. <laughs> with another KD. Yeah, and then you shift again, and there's an animated one behind yeah. there. And imagine how funny it'd be Rob De Niro stepping on a rake. Oh, he'd be really good in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And have you seen the thing online about where someone's taken all of the Star Wars films and started the opening crawl at the same time? So that first shot looks completely normal, but then you realise that it's all six Star Wars playing at once. <laughs> and you could just take all three... I, I, we're saying all three Cape Fears. The Simpsons episode, Cape Fear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that counts. Uh, the Thompsons uh, of Terra Lake. <laughs> You are Mr. Thompson. <laughs> I think he's talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so all three Cape Fears playing at once, uh, but also the River is Wild also there. Uh, it's not the River is Wild, Jake. It's just the River Wild. Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm thinking of the killer song. Yeah. <laughs> this, uh, that could be the yeah, theme. That could be the theme. <laughs> Finally. Yes. It's all coming together. Excellent. I'm excited. Uh, Top no, that. I don't think I'll be able to. Um, my pitch makes far less sense somehow. <laughs> uh, so my so my idea begins with uh, Werner Herzog, as all good ideas should. Yes. Uh, so Werner Herzog, he did Agira the Wrath of God, which is a very comparable film to this week's film. Then he did Fitzcarraldo, which is another jungle boat film, also starring Klaus Kinski. Mm-hmm. And for that, Herzog want, wanted to pull basically a cruise liner up a hill for the film along with shooting the rest of the film around the river and the jungle. And naturally, this was completely mad, and the atmosphere on set was horrendous. Kinski and Herzog were, were at times going to shoot each other, uh, and they were everyone was flying off the hook, and it's, already, it's in the rainforest, so everyone's roasting and sweating, a nightmare atmosphere. So a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, and they want to take it out on someone. And so they're just sitting on the boat, and then who do they see coming up river? They see Ryan Gosling, and he's paddling a boat manifestation of his film, Lost River. You're right. This does make less sense than mine. So imagine, like, a ship made up of all of the copies of Lost River (laughs) on DVD and Blu-ray, and somehow all of streaming as well. Uh, Like, the contract for the Netflix streaming service of Lost River. And so he's just paddling this thing, and... Then Herzog is just like, right, we've got to take him out. So then if Herzog releases all of his anger at that, no one has to watch Lost River ever again. Uh, what was the original title of Lost River, wasn't it? How, How to, to Catch, catch a, a Monster. Monster. Which is also really bad. 
name. Mm. And I think it's better than Lost River. Lost River could be the title of anything ever. Yeah, and Lost River doesn't play in, like help the fact that Gosling is clearly trying to make some kind of David Lynch yeah. reference film. And that's just like a generic Lynchian title. Yeah. And it's really horrible film. It's, and it's, it's bad. It's just bad. It's badly made. It's bad. It's a bad story. To be fair to it, the river is nice. Like, is it it's lost? Like, it's well. I mean, it's it's a river, but there are lampposts sticking out of it. You know, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And there's a dragon at the bottom of it. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, it's really bad. Okay. And so I want Herzog and Kinski to team up <laughs> and uh, and kill it. Okay. But I don't think I, I I don't think that's as good as three Cape Fears playing at once versus Meryl Streep. Yeah, <laughs> you should have thrown in a Streep. Yeah, maybe Always you throw in a Streep and you. I've got a Mendelssohn. You got a Mendelssohn. You got a Gosling. You got a Hendrix. Yeah, uh, a got Ian Decastecker. Is, is that the guy from Agents of Shield? Yeah. Yes. And and Saoirse Ronan. I think there's enough there. Yeah. Yeah. But not as good as Katie. So take the points. Oh, thank you, thank <sighs> you so much. Kind. Um, and I'm sure we look forward to. Uh, Cape Fear times three River Wild going into production next year. Yeah. <laughs> scored by the killers? Yes, definitely yes. scored by the killers. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, talking about killing, let's move on to the Lost City of Sands. Ah. You're like a DJ, just fading two things together. Yeah, that was smooth. Seamlessly. Because that's what this film is about. It's <laughs> it's definitely about... Yeah, I would say, actually, this film has very little, if nothing, to do with killing. Um, except the killing that happens in it, in that people die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the, on that tenuous link, let's talk about The Lost City of Zed, James Gray's new film. Uh, so Gray's previous films that he directed were We Own the Night... Uh, and The Immigrant. I was talking to someone about Grey the other day in that he's almost like a Kenneth Lonergan figure Mm. in that he's made the films and people like the films and they like a lot of the films. Yeah. And they like everything to do with them, like how they're shot, the performances, the script. And everyone really likes them. But then they just kind of fizzle out. Yeah. And this is... This Lost City of Zed... It's, it's a weird one in terms of production and release as well because this was done a while ago. Yeah, and this is a funny time to release a film, I yeah. think, because uh, you're starting... Your Oscar season's just... Oscar season finished a few weeks ago and we're now into... It's weird how early the summer blockbuster season starts now. Yeah. Like, it started already. Logan. Logan started it and we've got Guardians out in a few weeks. Yeah, crazy. This film was is a Brad... It's Plan B, isn't it, production? Yeah. And it was originally going to star Brad Pitt. Yep, and then, the lead, and then Brad Pitt dropped out, and Cumberbatch came in. Yeah, and then Cumberbatch dropped out, and Hunnam came in. I think uh, so. Charlie Hunnam plays the lead, Percy Fawcett, this explorer. Yeah, and I think he came in late in the game, maybe January 2015. Yeah, but that's still two and a bit years ago. I was reading something about how uh, in Brad, when Brad Pitt is in the Plan B films, he's always like the savior. Yeah, he's always the hero, and if he did that with this one. I think once again it would have been look how nice Brad Pitt can be oh isn't Brad Pitt isn't Brad Pitt oh, he's just he, so nice isn't he a hero yeah so well, I'm glad it wasn't Brad Pitt yeah do you remember with 12 Years a Slave he, he was just, on the poster in Italy <laughs> the biggest thing on the poster was Brad Pitt with his long hair and his weird beard yeah, yeah. but th- yeah this is a plan B production and I think uh, actually Brad Pitt was involved in it from, from 
when the book came out. And yeah. Grey was attached to it as well. Like oh, okay. the, the book hadn't even... It was one of those weird ones, you know, where the book hasn't been yeah. released and yeah, they've yeah, already yeah. got someone... And Grey was brought on in February 2009. Well, Plan B did that with Kick-Ass as well before, the, um, before it was published. Really? I think I'm pretty sure Plan, uh, Kick-Ass is a Plan B and a Marv production. So right. they have the habit of latching onto these things early. Yeah, it is funny when these things happen. Like uh, Scott Pilgrim was it it would come out but it wasn't finished yeah. and they made the film before the series had actually yeah. finished yeah lost city of z had this uh odd production that then eventually we're here and it's the film's been made and it was i think it was finished maybe this time last year probably right. and how these weird things happen and that it's playing yeah. over festivals through last year it's playing at berlin in february this year it doesn't get released in america for another month yeah it's a real strange one and it's almost like people don't know what to do with it yeah, it's I think not a it's, blockbuster. No, it's not. I think we'll talk about this later about how I originally perceived this film yeah. and how it actually is actually quite different things. Yeah. I mean, off the bat, I'll say it's it's a 15 certificate, which is not what I would expect of this film. I thought right. it would be a family-friendly film, and it's uh, it's done something different with that. Yeah. This is actually the same slot that Under the Skin went out in. And I think if you were a studio and you had Under the Skin, where do you pitch that? Yeah. Like, what do you do with it? And thankfully, people, like, it didn't do big numbers, but like, people respect it, was, it. Yeah, it's highly talked about. Yeah, well and perhaps that's what Lost City of Z is doing. We're just after the Oscars, so there is a naturally peaked interest in the cinema. Like This is a well-crafted piece of work, despite the fact there's no awards buzz around it, but there is a prestige in mm. it that people will be seeking out. And I hope people do watch it, because it is, as you say it's not what you were expecting it is something different yeah and it's something different as for a studio picture it feels like a studio picture from 50 years ago yeah absolutely it has this kind of uh david lean quality to it mm. yeah yeah uh, it's very classical and i'm sure that word will come up a number of times in this discussion yeah. uh whether that's down to the cinematography the music the performance yeah uh the actual the story itself the scope of it it's a very classically made film yeah definitely and i think um gray himself has cited lean as an inspiration oh, right. for it um which is no surprise let's talk about this this film the lost city of zed it follows british explorer percy Fawcett, uh who is heading into the jungle in the amazon a number of times uh, yeah. in pursuit of this city and we'll start at the very beginning the first shot of the film mm and this is a very dark, uh, fire-lit shot of some tribesmen, and it's shot from the other side of the river, yeah. looking at them. And the first thing that I liked about this film is the fact that you have, all, you have the Plan B logo, and you have the production company logo, and the distributor logo, and whatever you need. And then the actual film starts, and you, it's just a black screen, and you have the sounds of the jungle, and that image comes up, and the title of the film comes up straight away. It just says the Lost City of Zed. There's no actor names. There's no a no. James Gray film. There's no a Plan B production. It is you're in, and the yeah. film's there, and we're in. We're in it, and I really love that because sometimes like, I know like, Deadpool tried playing on that with like yeah, their hokey kind of meta uh, opening titles. Yeah. But there's something about opening titles aren't, aren't part of the world, if you know what I mean. Like. The, the the words don't exist in the world mm. of the film and so why should they be there and so I quite like that this is just we're in it and we're done and we're now in the film yeah well if um, if this film was made in the 50s when we're talking it would have all of the titles on 
like all the credits at once at the beginning of the film. Yeah. I wonder you, when this is really boring, but when like it stopped when like credits began, like when there were credits at the end of the film rather than at the beginning. Uh, I have no idea, but oh, do you know why trailers are called trailers even though we watch them at the start of the film? Go on, because they used to be played at the end. Really? Hence yeah. why they're called trailers. Yeah, because cool. they trail the film. Yeah. So it's like you've seen this film. Here's what you can see next week. Yeah. yeah. But then they realised no one was staying for the credits. Yeah. So maybe it was that credits came before the film. Then you watch the film. Then you watch the trailers. And now we've completely changed it Switched the other way around. around. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, it's a lovely actual title card The Lost City of Zed uh, it looks really nice it's almost yeah. looked like it's been carved out of wood and then stamped yeah. on the think of what did you think of the font lovely very appropriate um, this, this nice uh, archaic look to yeah. it and what I also like about it is it, it's the same in our world in the world of the posters and the advertising because that annoys me what a different font for different yeah yeah um, and I imagine the the biggest one, just because it was everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Remember Avatar? Yeah. Like, do you remember that small film? Do you, rem- do you remember the biggest film of all time? <laughs> yes, I think I do remember the biggest film of all time. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, I remember that. Wheel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know the posters and you know yeah. the look of the the logo for Avatar. The um, blue kind yeah. of not quite finished letters. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, and it's like, then in the film. And the whole of the fi- like three hours of this biggest film, and then at the end, it's green. It's not even blue, and did it's a you, different font. Do you stand up at the end? <laughs> what? What's that? What yeah. are you doing, Cameron? Please. <laughs> um, it just felt like an insult to me <laughs> and everyone else in the room that Cameron wasn't going to stick to his font choice. Just a horrible moment. Maybe the worst moment in cinema in the last seventeen Maybe. years. Do you remember um, Star Wars? That's pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> you have to remind me. Okay. What one's that? It's the one with all the robots. Oh, cool. I uh, I love Meet the Robinsons. All right, so we have this first shot, and it's really lovely. <laughs> You're struggling, mate. Yeah, yeah. go on. <laughs> have you heard of The Lost City of Zed? Let's get on with it. All right. Uh, and so this shot jumps straight to Percy talking to his wife, uh, Nina Fawcett, played by Sienna Miller. And they're just prepping for a hunt, a stag hunt. Uh, and this is a very upper class event, isn't it? Very upper class. And it, you know, hunting, it brings to mind like sort of fox hunting and lots of men with their nice, finely trimmed stashes on horses. Yeah. Bugle blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, women sitting in collapsible wooden chairs yeah. and <sighs> yes yeah lots of that kind of thing and we go straight into the hunt and this is i don't think i've seen a hunt actually like this uh in that it's quite savage not in terms of the animal that's being hunted but in the hunters themselves mm. uh, it's quite horrible to watch it yeah and it's it's filmed really kind of uh kinetically mm. and um you feel like you're like it feels like you're standing and they're race the horses are racing around you yeah. and you kind of don't know where to move because you've, you're scared you're going to get hit. Yeah, you feel like you're really in the middle of that. And Gray is putting his camera everywhere. Yeah, like it's up yeah. in the sky. It's following. It's in the dog's mouth. Yeah. it's in the horse's hooves. It's point of view. It's everywhere. And so you can't escape this thing. And you feel like as as the stag would. Like, yeah, 
stuck in this uh, in this hunt. And so Percy is part of this hunt, and they're all charging towards the stag. And then Percy goes off the beaten track and leaps over a wall, and then finds the stag by himself. Yeah. And because he's gone off the path that all the others have taken, and then he kills it, and he's the hero. Like that that little taste, I think guides us for the rest of the film doesn't it definitely yeah uh, it's a really nice opening and you mentioned to me earlier that having that opening shot and then having this and there's a kind of relation there that the tribesmen they're where they are are waiting there's a sense of waiting yeah for percy to find them almost and it, we're given another hint of that the fact that percy's glory comes from going into the unknown yeah he doesn't take the path that everyone else is on he Absolutely, takes the yeah. the he goes off the beaten track and that's where he gets his glory yeah and that will obviously be key for him and that's his yeah. guide for what would be the rest of his life yeah and so he takes this stag back to the party and we get a sense of where Percy lies in society yeah and it's this very uh, you know grand military affair and they he has to give a card to someone to know his name mm. and that just shows you his where he is in society and they're introduced um, Colonel Percy Fawcett and Mrs. Major. Major Percy Fawcett and Mrs. Major Percy Fawcett. Yeah. And then they start dancing. And then uh, I, the guy that's hosting the party, he asks, oh, where's the chap that uh, won the stag? Mm. Let's uh, invite him for dinner. And then when, he's, when it's revealed to him that Percy Fawcett mm. was the person that captured the stag, he says that Fawcett was rather unfortunate in his choice of ancestors. Amazing. The most Julian Fellows Downton level line ever. Yeah. And it's it's dripping with genuine malice as well. Yeah. Like that that is a thing that people actually believe. Yeah. <laughs> and but then that ties into how Fawcett will then view his discoveries. Yeah. And who he meets. Absolutely. This film is obviously it's based on a true story. And I don't know if it's true that because we're told that his father is kind of an alcoholic and a gambler. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. What it does do is separates him from the crowd mm. of these people who are generally quite unlikable. And it puts him apart from them and it gives context for his desire to increase his level in society and his wealth for his family and everything. Yeah. Because he has a bad family name and going to Amazonia is a way to correct that. It's a great character arc. It's a really traditional character arc that he does this... At first, he does it for monetary gain and societal gain. Eventually, it becomes something more. Yeah. And he sort of looks past that eventually and becomes an obsession about yeah. finding the city. Yeah. This is Barry Lyndon. This is The Great Gatsby as well. This is yeah. personal accomplishments overshadowing their own reason. But And that's, that's a very gradual shift as well because it's not like Fawcett is mad. No, never. No. He's very polite He's a gentleman. He's yeah. very reasonable. Uh, he's very intelligent. Even towards the end of the film. Yeah. And even when, you know, he he goes back several times to the Amazon, each time he seems really focused. And it's... Uh, calling it obsession, I think, don't know if it's the right word, because mm. obsession implies madness, I think, and, like, the fact that you can't control, that you're obsessed with something. Yeah. His is a more, more calculated, I think. Yeah, it's complete drive. Yeah. Is what it is, um, and it's unwavering, but it's blinding. Yeah, and it's reasonable. It's it 
it's not like you idiot what are you going back there for it's like oh you would go back there wouldn't you yeah it yeah. makes sense to us yeah yeah it does uh so why does it make sense uh let's uh let's begin the journey okay so uh after this hunt Fawcett gets is asked to go to bolivia to uh go to a river there because there's a conflict between bolivia and brazil because of uh the rubber industry is big there at this point uh, and they're trying to claim each other's land and this river is key to that yep. and where this river flows and so they bring in the English army as outside. A third party yep. to settle the score and yep. say you have this part of land, you have this part of land enough yep. and, uh, and who asks him Jake? Do you remember Star Wars? Oh, oh yeah! Emperor Palpatine himself. Yes. Ian McDermott nice to see him again. Yeah, very nice to see him. Palpatine <laughs> asks uh, Weird that you have the same character name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, Palpatine asks the guy from Pacific Rim <laughs> to uh, go and do an Apocalypse Now job. The dialogue of this film is really great as well. Yeah. Weird they reference stuff that hasn't even been invented yet. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just forward thinking. As I mentioned, the scope of the film is just uh, it's perplexing yeah. at times. Percy is asked to uh, go and do this, and naturally he accepts. He is a... Um, a man of the military, he's well-travelled and he's established himself yeah. as a, a bit of an explorer in that time. And so he gets on a boat. He's on the boat for about a week before we meet Robert Pattinson, who plays Corporal Henry Costin. Who has a phenomenal beard, very nice little glasses, looks very cool. Mm. And, yeah, initially he's introduced as a kind of a drinker. Yeah. Which I think often they do in films as a, to show that someone's not quite trustworthy. Mm. Uh, but they don't do that here. They actually kind of um, lose that thread, which I was glad. Mm. Yeah, because um, you, you're always worried that then that's going to pick up later on. Yeah. Because something's going to go... Like, all the rations are going to go because Robbie P got on the wine. Or got something. a bit boozy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, he just gets rid of the whatever's in the, the hip, hip flask. flask. Uh, and that leads us to a lovely satisfying match cut that I imagine Grey was completely relishing I bet he couldn't wait to get in the edit for this (laughs) so there's this shot of um, the whiskey being poured out the hip flask down the sink and we see kind of a profile view Mm. of the whiskey about to go down the drain and it's going from right to left along the screen cut and we're on a train moving right to left along the screen Obviously, most famously done in uh, Lawrence of Arabia, yeah, uh, and and two thousand and one. But I think contextually, Lawrence of Arabia is more comparable in, in this yeah. instance. And that is- Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Is obviously a classic film, and that's a classic moment. Yeah. And a lovely jump cut can tell you so much and give you so much information in a tenth of a second. Yeah, we've already... We're that, yeah, that immediately establishes. So the pouring out of the whiskey is kind of like, okay, this is a no-nonsense mission. Mm. And we're on a boat. We're on, and, then, and we're on a boat, and then suddenly, yeah, in a tenth of a second, it's 
the boat's over. We're on a train now in Bolivia, and we're in the jungle. And we're in the jungle. It was uh, it's just a really brilliant, brilliant moment. And yeah, as I said, I bet Gray couldn't wait to then get into the edit afterwards and be like, can we? Can we just do that first? Yeah. Like, just don't worry about the rest <laughs> the of the film. The film was edited around that yeah. match cut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, very lovely moment. And so from there, we are, we're in the jungle and we're getting, uh, we're getting a little crew together. Uh, first of all, it's just Costin and Fawcett were hacking their way through the jungle. Yep. They stumble upon a savage opera. Yeah. Which is... Uh, I'm talking about that. Yeah. And that's maybe the weirdest bit I thought oh flashback or something Um, are we thinking about better times in England when we didn't have to worry about sticky clothes and that and then no we are in a bamboo opera house very weird yeah and then we meet Franco Nero I was going to say Franco Franco Nero the original Django yeah Yeah. you can do a Franco double bill this week because he's in the time of our lives with John Collins also out this week nice uh, maybe not a comparable one to this. Uh, so he's also in John Wick too. <laughs> oh, really? He's the uh, manager of the uh, Rome Continental Hotel. Man, Franco Nero, he is on it right now. He's back, is what yes. he is, Jake. Oh, I'm thinking he's back. <laughs> so we meet Franco Nero, and Franco Nero is—I mean, it's a bit of a cliche character. Nero's in that he the is the evil Baron, yeah, wearing his white suit. Yep, and he's got the indigenous uh, slaves to him. Slaves them, yeah. Yeah, and this is our first kind of hint of Hunnam perhaps being a bit more progressive. Yes, definitely. And he says says something to him like, you want to make peace, peace won't change anything for me, and I want this to be the same, so I'll give you men as long as you can keep my peace kind of thing. Yeah, because he's making money off the rubber. Yeah. So if there's war, then there's no then there's no rubber. Be, yeah, yeah. Uh, so he wants him to give the peace, and, and you can s- see the discomfort in Hunnam's face about the idea of this enslaved man in front of him. Yeah, and well. the fact that he's been given it as well, yeah. almost as a gift, is uh, clearly makes him uncomfortable. Definitely. Uh, and so from there, because they've reached some kind of settlement, they gather a crew of some sorts, maybe six men, I think, plus one of the tribesmen. Yeah. Uh, and they go out on their first voyage up the river. And up until this point, it has been more raiders. Mm. And it, it hasn't been that awful. And this is what you were talking about, about the tone of the film. Like, yeah. At this point, you've gathered that there's some discomfort, um, but it's it still has the potential to be a yarn of sorts. Yeah, well, like, this is so... What I expected the film was a yarn, an adventure, like a classic adventure story in the same vein as something like National Treasure or Indiana Jones films or even... I'm glad that you're putting National Treasure first before Indiana Jones. Well, it's it's better. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Uh, Or uh, a Tintin of, like... The Lost City of Zed could very much be a Tintin title. And yeah, for a while, even though it starts in in England and it does feel a bit more real than some of those do, and it's a bit slower in getting to its adventure, but it still does it. And then, yeah, we're suddenly, when they're on the river, things just get really bad for these guys like quite quickly. And there's the, there's the threat from the indigenous tribes. Uh, there's the threat of drowning in the river. There are piranhas. Uh, there's hunger, there's mutiny, and there's there's a there's a guy that just sort of throws up loads of black stuff yeah. because of he's so like hungry and just ingesting God knows what. 
they have a really rough time. Yeah, and and so they're kind of holed up in the craft for a while, and that's where you think the horror is. But as with all these things, you know that something's lurking in the jungle, and you're waiting all the time for what it's going to be. And then a chap, a poor chap, in a nice white shirt, standing up, and... Yeah. Arrow through the chest. And there we are. And then we get this horrible kind of five-minute sequence of yeah. trying to protect themselves. And so this guy's down, and then they try and protect themselves by getting in the water, forgetting that they've put fishing nets down. Yeah. Uh, and then they two of them get trapped in the fishing nets. Yeah. Then they forget that there's piranhas in the water. Yeah. And so because they're being sweaty and cut themselves in the, uh, in the brush, yeah. the piranhas can get the blood, and then they... God, they're all getting bitten and they're losing supplies as yeah. well and then we're, we're right in the nightmare of it yeah and it's on this journey that he eventually fi- uh, sees signs that there may be an ancient city in the forest in the jungle yeah. um, but obviously obviously, they once they complete their mapping mission they go back to England and that's when it's almost like this is when the film really starts yeah, and almost an hour in. Yeah, I was really surprised about this because yeah. they get to the end of the river, uh, and I the was like, scene. "What? Yeah, that's not how these films work. <laughs> you never reach the end. Cut that's to the point. England. <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, and he finds. So they get to the end of the river. Yeah. They uh, manage to kill a boar. They get some food. Yeah, they find some ancient pottery. Everything's coming up for it. Right? It's all going well. And then it's like, why don't we end the film here? Yeah, yeah. this would be nice, wouldn't it? Everyone goes home, has a cup of tea, uh, and talks about their lovely pottery. Brilliant. But no, that's not what happens. Yeah, so he's, he tries to convince everyone back home that there is this lost city and we need to go back and find it. For me, I. So we talked then about how like harsh life in the jungle is for the white per- for the uh, the mm. white man for the man who's not used to that that part of the world and this film as we said earlier it's not a adventure yarn it's a 15 certificate film and it's all sort of about the reality of what these adventures of what these adventures are and the cost of going on them and i just wanted to use its 15 certificate a bit more mm. because it's clearly not aiming for a younger audience um and that's fine but just maybe drum home how horrible this can be just a bit more I don't want it to be a total gore fest or anything but like have it be just really drum home and convince us how horrible life in the jungle is when they go out there in 1906 or whatever yeah I think maybe the second time it gets worse maybe yeah Um, because I think the first time they it's not awful I mean Men died, yeah. So that's that's not good, uh, and memory eaten alive. And but maybe you don't see those things. You don't see it. It, it kind of happens under the water, yeah. and um, you don't see it directly. It's cut around. But then you find the pottery, and they kill the boar, and they kind of make some friends slightly with the indigenous. Yeah. So when they come back, and they decide they want to, or and Fawcett decides he wants to return. Yeah, there's a sense of hope. Even as an mm. audience member, you're not thinking he's walking into a death trap. No, yeah. Uh, and you'll think, and you think maybe make it a bit worse. So then, as an audience member, we slightly get that hint of obsession that yeah. you are 
you could this is really dangerous still yeah and you've already left your wife and child once for two years and now you're coming back and yeah if we had a bit more of how really a sense of how dangerous this is then the the cost of leaving his family again would have been higher Mm. i think yeah i i I can agree with that uh i think there is an issue in the film with how time works Mm. in it uh I, the sense of time could be expanded. Yeah, it doesn't feel like he's out there for two years yeah. on the first trip. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, I don't want to show two years in real time, but uh, I mean, what a film that would be. Yeah. <laughs> How long is the film? Two years. <laughs> All right. But uh, yeah, it'd make it feel a bit longer. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that could, that could improve it. Uh, and so before this second journey, we meet angus mcfadden's character james murray Mm. who is a member of the royal geographic society and we meet him during this brilliant scene that i really liked because it is so full of british pomp and circumstance (laughs) and just lots of angry men shouting at each other and trying to insult each other and they're not weirdly they they all shout at each other for all the things so it's like i'm not sure whether they agree with each other or what <laughs> I think like, they just like shouting yeah i think that's it like yeah hutton will say something and everyone will go rah, 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 rah. and then someone will their say, society will not stand for your madness faucet just doing that all the time for whatever pots anyone... and pans pots and pans <laughs> yeah. it's so weird uh but really really enjoyable <laughs> just because that strange british energy that's in there yeah. and uh knowing that hunnam's not english as well and he's quite plummy <laughs> in it and I, I i struggled with his accent at first but i got into it because oh yeah he's every- going he's going for it everyone's going yeah. for it with the Englishness in it. And so this courtroom scene, it's, it's a traditional courtroom scene as well. Uh, mm. In uh, He's standing up the front and he's quite far away and he's shot in a way, he's shot from below and he's yeah. far away and he's trying to convince them and it's quite rousing as well. Yeah. And uh, there's, there's the kind of dweeby, annoying one that's very against him. and Dudley Dursley. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I, it took me a while. Do you oh. remember uh, Harry Potter? Oh, remind me. Um, robots. I'll meet the Robinsons. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> good. I like that one. Um, and so he gets out the pottery and he says, we're going. And uh, he recruits Pattinson and Ranley, his his other crew member who survived. Is it Ranley or Manly? Uh, I don't know. I'm Manly. Okay. <laughs> Fine. Let's <laughs> say you weren't. Uh, I, I I thought his name was Manly, which I thought is the most kind of. If anyone in this time is going to be called something, they'd be called Manly. Manly. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and um, so they get recruited. Yeah. And what do we know? We're back on the river, uh, and we're working our way through uh, for a second time. This time with James Murray, mm. who was on Shackleton's endurance um, expedition which is, is a really famous uh, polar expedition and is got a version with Sir Kenneth. Sir Ken. Yeah. Oh, mm, he's, yeah. He's very good, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's I do very, like Sir Ken. Very good. Um, Sir Ken, I don't think would have been misplaced in this. Somewhere. No, he would have He would have felt so, right at home. Yeah. Kenneth Branagh, <laughs> Mark Rylance. Uh, 
who are sort of Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville, yeah. <laughs> they could have they could have been in that room. Yeah. And so James Murray is now on this journey and because he's done he did he was on endurance and he's done Shackleton, he's done polar, and everyone's like, Oh, he's gonna be great. He he knows his stuff and we're gonna find the lost city. And uh, what do we know? He's not so good. He's a larger gentleman. An older gentleman and just a not very good gentleman. Yep, obviously with a polar exploration, yeah. being a larger chap can work in your benefit because you stay a lot warmer. Yeah. Uh, and you're used to having the thing that you're trying to do is stay warm. Mm. Whereas in the rainforest, if you're boiling all the time and you're having to carry all your gear with you, that's yeah. a tough one, particularly yeah. Yeah. if you're a larger chap as well. Definitely. Uh, and he's maybe the film's only real hissy villain. Yeah. Which I think is interesting because if you watch something like Endurance, he's he's good. Like he is like yeah. and in the history books for that time he would go down as a, a, a good hero. man. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And he plays a very interesting role in this. For a while I thought he was um Kieran Hines. Oh, I thought that too. Mm. Yeah. It's like oh Kieran Hines is in this. I like Kieran Hines and then uh, it's, uh, no, that's no, not Kieran Hines. Uh, he's got a sweet, sweet ponytail though in this, hasn't he? Oh, s- sick ponytail yeah. <laughs> and a, a um, nice stash. Everyone's got a good stash going on. But I think his was the best. Yeah, it had just the right amount of curl at the end. Okay, and it was accompanied, backed up by a nice beard as well. I'm glad you're gesturing for me for this one, <laughs> which is good, good radio. The shape of your potential <laughs> sideburns yeah. and sash. Excellent. Uh, yes. It looks good, listeners. It does look very good. Uh, and so on this second journey, we we learn a bit more about the settlements. And yeah. this is when Fawcett is perhaps welcomed. Mm. And yeah, and you think they have the uh, they sing the soldiers of the Queen yeah. to show to the indigenous tribes that they're friendly. Yeah. Which was a Good move. Yeah, and he holds out the the white handkerchief and they get invited in to have dinner. Dinner happens to be... A man. Yeah. (laughs) What are you going to do? We've all in that awkward moment when you turn up to your mate's house. What's (laughs) for dinner? They've cooked a human. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm vegetarian. Human? On a Saturday? (laughs) Medium rare? Uh, And Murray is... A bunch of savages. And obviously uh, Pattinson and Manly Ranley and, uh, and... I eat human all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, that's actually one comic beat. The film has few, but yeah. there is a comic beat where they effectively say, will you stay for dinner? And they, they just look at each other. Yeah. Uh, but then that point, they're, they're fierce friends and they're back on the river yes. and they're searching for it. And Murray is annoying and does some stuff that maybe results in Murray no longer being their friend. Maybe. Yeah. We won't say. Yeah. And then we are back. Again. We're back again in England. Another surprising thing of the film is the amount of time it goes back and forth. Yeah. Because usually with these adventure films and I think with modern films in general there's a uh, habit to plunge everyone in to the situation that they need to be in and sort of stay there and that's the film. This goes down a more biographical route, I guess, where it wants to tell as much as it can about Percy in order to get a sense of what why he's doing this. Yep. And like the scope of the film yeah. is humongous. Yeah. And there's even what World War One breaks out between a couple of the journeys and 
I like, I like how casual the journeys have become now. Yeah. Like, oh, just another one, just yeah. another journey. We'll just have a war and then we'll do another journey. Yeah. Uh, so, like, a lot of films, I think, would kind of, through dialogue, just show, oh, the war's broken out and then skip to after the war, where it's, you could easily, with a bit of dialogue, you could explain that he was in the war, he was in the Somme. Yeah. And this film goes to a lot of effort to show us the battle at the Somme. Yeah, gosh. I, when the. When the um, so there's kind of a muddy field and you're not 100% what it is and yeah. then at the bottom you've got uh, Somme 1916 yeah. like, what? wow yeah and it's in the trenches and he's uh, he's with the other men um, that we saw earlier um, he's, he is major he's major now uh, wasn't he no he is already major oh, he gets, but he is he's, yeah. um, but like, he he's is in, what we know as a yeah, major that's he's it. not just an explorer um, yeah, and they go they go um, over the top and everything, and it they film a lot of it, and it's very well filmed. Yeah, I mean, credit to Gray for putting this in there. Yeah. It, it, as you said, it's not needed. This could have been a film that is most ninety percent jungle, but it's yeah. not. And just ca- I say casually, but throwing in mm. a war scene like that, which is, I mean, it's not the whole film, so um, we won't compare it to Saving Private Ryan in terms of that length and covering that much of it no but for moments in it that's a comparable yeah. piece yeah and it's it's gruesome and it's gory Definitely. and the way that it's filmed and what we actually see um in terms of like, the demise of people is yeah quite horrible definitely and i think that's that's good for kind of filling in our blanks for for Fawcett before we met him as well yeah. that he is an army man yeah. and this gives a sense of why he has risen through the ranks because he's clearly good at it yeah. too uh, there is also a really brilliant sequence with the fortune teller which is maybe the, the the strangest part of the film yeah that and the opera yeah are quite odd uh, I wasn't a big fan of the fortune teller yeah. uh, simply because it it didn't feel necessary at all for me. Yeah, I think a lot of the time with fortune stuff, it's a way of telling you the themes you need to be thinking about. Yeah, but I thought we got from we knew already that he was obsessed with the city. I didn't think we needed a fortune teller. It's just a strange element to introduce to it. Yeah, um, that hasn't been talked about at all before. Yeah, I quite. But it's just. I mean, very, it was a nice. I was scene. very surprised to see. Yeah, it. but I, I think that was that. That's definitely something that could have been cut out. Yeah. Uh, and then third time round, we're back in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> and so we will... Because that's really the kind of last bit we can talk yeah. about without going into any spoiler, spoiler territory. Uh, so if you haven't seen uh, The Lost City of Zed yet, uh, what are you doing? Go out and watch it. Yeah. Uh, and then come back and listen to our spoiler section as well as... Uh, or you can skip through that and listen to uh, our other recommendations for what's out this week and on Curzon Home Cinema too. Um, and so give us a pause there. And here's a spoiler warning. So the last few bits of the film, yeah. uh, we kind of late in the game introduced to Tom Holland as Jack Fawcett, yeah. his son. And Holland's good. He's he's fine. His mustache growing skills. It's not his mustache. Oh, is it fake? It's, not, it's a fake mustache. Uh, yeah. I was going to say. It's questionable. Yeah. Um, I think even I could do better than that. <laughs> and so Fawcett, Percy is clearly older now. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time we've really seen him age 
Um, he was blinded during the war, but was, uh, through gas. But that's yeah. he's gradually regained his sight. And for now, after some trouble with Jack, because he kept leaving all the time to go to war and go to expedition, now Jack has kind of stepped into his shoes. Yeah, and there's a great, mo- yeah, there's a great bit where we see them hunting together. Yeah, and it's a nice parallel that um, Percy has now become the shadow in his son's life, and it, his son now wants to go out and do. I think I think his son almost convinces him to do it. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, and that's a nice. He's a nice character, actually. The son. Um, that's the. Th- and there's another thing with this film as well. It's many things, and I didn't expect it to turn into a father-son story. Yeah. Uh, in the way that it does, and that was a nice touch. And I think, you know, by the time we get there for the third time in the forest, there's a sort of confidence with Percy now. Yeah. And that's kind of brushed onto his son as well. Yeah, and it um, it sows up the seeds we were given earlier about um, Percy's own issues with his father. Yeah. Uh, that he's managed to reconcile that, I think, is great. And ultimately, we don't know what happens. Yeah, that was a... Because um, although we're given a title card at the end that says that since the, his these many expeditions fairly recently, where they have found proof that there perhaps was a lost city in the area he was looking at we don't we've it's never been a like publicly acknowledged thing that yeah. he was right i don't think it's it doesn't have the grandeur that i think force it yeah he was he was think, looking for a city of gold and well not necessarily of gold but an actual city yeah. like a lost city like and i think Machu this, is, Picchu mo- or this is more of a settlement yeah. uh there are there are roads and paths yeah. and moats and agriculture and there's proof that, that a, a large body of people live there but it's not on the scale of Machu yeah. Picchu. okay um, so yeah, so for me going in, I th- I kind of had a, an inkling that he wasn't gonna, not not gonna find it, but he wasn't gonna be able to prove that he had found it. Yeah. And we're given earlier, like literally the scene before he goes back for the third time, he tells the old boy at the society, "Ah, oh, this compass I've had since I first went out there. If I decide to stay out there, he kind of says this jokingly, you know, I'll send it back to you." And the moment he says that, that was. <laughs> Clang! It's like, oh, okay, that's how the film's going to end. Yeah, um, it's 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 a it does the job. Yeah, and at it, the end, you know, it's given to Sienna Miller's character. Yeah, and it, and a really great parting shot where she leaves the RGS through the garden room, uh, in, which is like a jungle-like room and um, nice a nice poetry to that. Yeah, uh, and right, but that's it. That's the Lost City of Zed. Uh, it's really brilliant, and you should check it out. And check it out on a big, big screen. Because uh, Darius Konji, the cinematographer, shot it on stunning 35mm. The shadows have got this bluish, dusty indigo to it that is unlike anything that you'll see on regular raw digital. Uh, he shot the beach panic room, uh, some Woody Allens. He's shooting Bong Joon-ho's Okja. Really, really great. And Christopher Spellman's score, you want it as loud as possible because uh, it weaves in between the classical Mozart, Beethoven with these swells and waves of uh, of strings that really add to the kind of nightmare furiosity of it. Also in the screens at the moment, uh, we've got Personal Shopper, Olivier Assayas' film, which we talked about last week. Uh, please go and check that out. A lovely horror, ghost story, psychological thriller uh, with Christian Stewart. And check out our interview with him from last week's show too. Uh, also out is Kleber Mendonca Filho's Aquarius. Uh, this is the chap that, wrote, uh, that made Neighbouring Sounds, a kind of uh, psycho-social drama from 2012 set in Brazil uh, with twists uh, of genre convention in there too. 
and so his film uh, Aquarius is out today uh, it was full of lots of political trouble because it questions Brazil's, Brazil's government uh, and Brazil didn't put it forward to Academy Award nominations and lots of people are very upset about that so go and check that out uh, and we've got some new releases on Curzon Home Cinema too yeah, so Arrival is uh, available now on Curzon Home Cinema, and that was one of the best films of last year, in my opinion, uh, in the way that it told a story about aliens without being a massive CGI-heavy blockbuster. And it's not an invasion. And it's not an invasion, and it's all about how... And the lead character is not a military general or anything, or a scientist. She's a a translator, a language professional and it's all about the power of language and communication to prevent war rather than create war and it's uh, while it has that kind of philosophical element as well and political element it also is really great sci-fi the design of the aliens, the design of the ships the kind of the fear of an alien and uh, really really a great story really well told and I can't wait to see what Denis Villeneuve does with Blade Runner 2049. Yep. Uh, and finally, Jim Jarmusch's Patterson is on there too, which is a lovely lyrical film about a poet, bus driver, uh, played by Adam Driver, in the town of Patterson. So it's a driver-driver called Patterson in Patterson, uh, but it's really, really excellent and just a lovely, quiet, relaxing, slow film and uh, just about how art and creativity can be personal to you and that's fine and you can give your art whatever meaning you want and I think it's really really excellent uh, so do check that out too uh, we must say thank you to CSR for letting us use their studio as usual uh, and until next time it's goodbye from Sam is Avatar the one with the big blue people uh, and it's goodbye from me should we go and watch um, Star Wars I've never seen it yeah me the Robinsons yeah yeah great. I love that one bye Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.